NCAA tournament is over. Let's get the sand out. Oh, my God, the Blue Bloods. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go positive. Tobin Anderson and Fairleigh Dickinson, congratulations. Not only were you great, you made history, one seed over a 16, but you were fun. And Tobin Anderson, we're going to try to get him on the show as the week progresses, but he was fun. Eric Musselman, Arkansas, rips off his shirt. He was fun. We had some fun here. Dusty May, who's going to join the show this week at Florida Atlantic University. Fun. His team can ball. Hey, Memphis, not so much fun. Penny Hardaway reverted back to his AAU roots, throwing a water bottle. That's not fun. Mitch Anderson of Princeton. I recruited Mitch Anderson a little bit. I went to Culver Academy way back in my recruiting days at Indiana. Somebody told me about a kid. Mitch Anderson. All right. I went and took a look at him. I thought he was good. I didn't think he was good enough to help us at Indiana. Mitch Anderson goes to Princeton. Mitch Mitch Henderson becomes a really good player at Princeton. Mitch Henderson ends up, ladies and gentlemen, being the coach of Princeton who gets him somewhere that Petey Carell, the legendary coach of Princeton, could not. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is into the Sweet 16. See, the deep state is listening to us. Siri is popping up. I don't want you, Siri. Go away. still working. No, stop. Go away. Get out of here. I have no idea why she's doing that. The deep state is here on our show. That means we have made it. Indiana fans, I got two words for you. My backside, just a little whiny, cheating, not cheating, whining, quitting little group. Yeah, don't get, uh, what a great year we had, really? You came in like third in a bad league, and it is a bad league. Who's, Who's left in the Big Ten? Who's left? Michigan State. Shocker. What a stunner, Michigan State. Why? Because they play fast, real toughness, a coach that knows his way around it, and a coach that holds them accountable. Did you see this guy Miller cop for Indiana? Did you see this? See, I'm going to get into this. But first, I got to talk about the Blue Bloods that are gone, all right? Indiana, gone. Memphis, gone. Duke, gone. UVA, gone. Kentucky, gone. Purdue, Gone. Kansas. Gone. See, Indiana is so crappy and has been for so many years that Dylan didn't even put him on here. That's right. And I don't blame him. Think about if you're, I don't know, my daughter's age, 28, 27, 27, whatever the hell. She, she doesn't know Indiana being good. She has no idea that Indiana was once good. And if you watched Indiana play yesterday, you know what you saw? You saw just another team. You know what you saw out of Kentucky? Just another team. Duke, at least, at least, you can see talent there. Kentucky, I'm telling you, Kentucky and Indiana, bah. Arizona, Arizona quitting. We talked about that. Uh, KU, KU a little bit of a tough spot. Arkansas had dudes. Arkansas with Ricky Council, DeForest, and Nick Smith had dudes. But let me talk about two teams in particular. Number one is Purdue. I said this in a video over the weekend. Shut the hell up. Purdue Boilermaker fans, just shut up about, well, Matt Painter sucks, man. We can't win. No, he's going to get you to a Final Four. Just relax. Uh, He's been there a long time. He hasn't got you to a Final Four. But if you keep being excellent during the regular season, eventually it breaks through. I know you haven't been since 1980. I was at the game. Joe Barry Carroll, Drake Morris, uh, that Hillman guy, Arnett Hallman, Hillman, whatever the hell his name was, The, uh, the, uh, the Walker brothers. I know the team. I was there. I played against you when you probably should have gone to a Final Four, maybe 84-85. You won the Big Ten, but you weren't good enough. 
It's incredible to me what's happened to Kentucky. It's astounding to me. I said last year on this show, Kentucky is losing relevance, and it is. Look, Kentucky has a great and loyal fan base, the Blue Mist. The Blue Mist comes into Nashville for the SEC tournament. Oh, it's the Blue Mist. The Blue Mist goes to Greensboro, and we'll talk to Trey Wallace coming up here in about 10 minutes. Oh, the Blue Mist is here. They're a great fan base, stupid great. But ladies and gentlemen, they are falling into irrelevancy. Here's the deal. Indiana, I agree with you. Indiana is irrelevant. It is. I mean, Indiana, it's great when they're good, but they're irrelevant, and Kentucky's slowly falling there. True story. When you watch Kentucky, you say, all right, is this interesting? Is this must-watch TV? Kentucky's playing. We got to what? I don't see it. I honestly don't see it. And Cal can yell and he can scream and he can do all these things. He can't. But the truth of the matter is Kentucky is falling to where Indiana is, and that's being totally irrelevant. Fun when they have a big crowd and win a game. Occasional. There's occasional glimpses. Indiana beat Purdue. Kentucky went to Tennessee and won. There's occasional glimpses. But when you watch Kentucky, you just don't see it. When you watch Indiana, you just don't see it. You can't say the same about Duke. You can't. You can't say the same thing about Kansas. I mean, Kansas won a national championship last year for crying out loud. Memphis is an AAU program on steroids. It is. I mean, let's be honest. Your coach fires a water bottle. I'm all for it. I would have done it. I don't care. But the world has changed. This is not 2001 where Rick Majerus, I think it was Majerus, went down to the end of the bench and punched the water cooler in Maui. I did the same thing against Toledo, not thinking of Coach Majerus, probably in the back of my mind, and the AD at Toledo got all hot in the crotch. He did. He got all hot in the crotch. I don't get hot in the crotch. I'm doing the Majerus. Leave me alone. Some people got wet. This day and age, they might sue. Maybe say I sexually assaulted them with a water cooler. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is uh, irrelevant, and we cannot have it. We can't. Virginia. Virginia hadn't won a basketball game in the NCAA tournament except when they won a national championship in 19. I've told you this before, and I'll tell you this again. If you're going to score in the 50s, low 60s, anybody can beat you. Anybody can. Period. Period. If you're going to score in the 50s, Dylan, me, Ryan, Aaron, Gary, Davey, and we might have to have a sub, so we're going to bring in Haley. We can score in the 50s. I mean, anybody can get to the 50s. And if anybody can get to what you're scoring, then guess what? You can lose to anybody. And Virginia did it again. They did. They did it again. Look, 70s, 80s, no chance lesser teams can get there unless you just say, screw it, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. I don't care to play. Alabama, really good. Uh, I can't wait to talk to Trey Wallace coming up here in a little bit about this whole scene down there in, in SEC world. Uh, because Alabama, to me, and it really wasn't close, best team I've seen by far. Now, can they get beat? Of course they can get beat. You know, Gonzaga looked pretty good to me. Drew Timmy's 107 years old, and did you know Drew Timmy actually has another year, the kid from Gonzaga, if he wants to come back? Did you know this? My mind was blown. Uh, Purdue, here's the deal. I talked about the fans wanting Painter out, but the deal is simply this. You can blame Painter. Go ahead. Blame him. 
It's easy to blame the coach. That's what we want to do. Well, you make adjustments, man. Let me tell you what happened in the Purdue game. Anybody other than Zach Eady, every other guy, all these great players, 12 of 42. 12 of 42. I'm going to say that again, 12 of 42. Take out Eady, 12 of 42. Now, when I watch a game, I say to myself, all right, what's going on here? Is a team just not running decent offense? No, Purdue was. They got wide open looks. So what's going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. They're missing shots. Now, you can put that on the coach if you'd like. And I got all kind of idiots say, well, man, you just want to get Painter on your show. Have I ever had Painter on this show? Have I ever? No. I don't care if anybody comes on this show. I can do two hours standing on my freaking flat head. But the truth of the matter is, this wasn't on the coach. Truth of the matter is, in the tournament, you have to make shots. I tell people this all the time. I have a national championship ring somewhere. I don't even know where, to tell you the truth. It might be upstairs. It might be in a safe deposit box. Uh, I'm going to look maybe this week. Maybe I'll wear it. I got a national championship ring because Key Smart hit a fadeaway jump shot, falling to his left because Bob Knight crapped the bed. And didn't want to call timeout because if he called timeout, you all don't believe this, but this is so true. If Knight called timeout, then if the play didn't work, he would feel responsible. So he, chicken blank Bob Knight, let the players play. We teach execution. Yeah, really? You taught a fadeaway jump shot in the left side falling out of bounds. When you had the best shooter in America... Uh, and the best post player, but that's the shot. So, no. I got a national championship ring because Key Smart made that shot. Jim Beheim has one national championship, not two, one. He would have had the same amount as Bob Knight. Two. If Key Smart missed that shot and they got the rebound. You know what I'm saying. I ever, ever since then, I have said make or miss determines NCAA or conference tournament success. I don't go to the NCAA tournament at Bowling Green in 2000 uh, for the first time in 1960, uh, since 1968 because a kid named Jake, Jason Grunkenmeyer hit a three from way out after we had played great defense. Make or miss, 12 of 42, and you are going to lose, period, against the team. Now, here's the other deal. I tell you this all the time. Now, listen up, kids. I tell you this all the time. Teams can get hot defensively. And if you watch the last five minutes of the Purdue game, I think there was four guard-to-guard block shots. Four of them. Guard drives, his defender, whack, ball out of bounds. Four. You know what that means? That means the Fairleigh Dickinson guards had them. They had the Purdue guards. They knew you're not doing nothing. And you know what the Purdue guards knew? They got us. And they were a little bit shook. They're freshmen. They'll learn. But freshmen you can win with usually against a 16 seed with a seven foot four guy against the smallest team in the country. I know a lot of you guys are here. Look at that. Yeah, I would argue that is the biggest upset. It's Furman. Holy cow. Uh, we talked about it on Friday. Arizona crap the bed. Purdue crap the bed. It's insane. Look at look at the scores. 58 for Purdue. 55 for Arizona. UVA got into the 60s. Yay, Rock, go fight win. I'm telling you. You got to get to the 70s, 80s. Nobody listens to me. Speaking of nobody listening to me, let's talk about Indiana. 
Yesterday, I'm watching Indiana. And look, I think Indiana and Mike Woodson are fine. Uh, they're fine. It's just fine. Uh, Woody really did a good job of turning things around. He beat producer. Everybody's going to jump up and down, stand on their head and crap snowballs. It's great. It's great. But they quit. And this is why I want to talk about Indiana. We have a lot of Indiana folks that follow us. They quit. Q-U-I-T. Quit. Like dogs. And I don't even know what that means. Like people always say that. They quit like dogs. What does that mean exactly? Like they quit like dogs. Huh. My dog don't quit. I take my dog for a walk on the golf course. You're going 100 miles an hour. End of the game. See, here's the deal. The Big Ten. Let me go Big Ten first. Horrific. Horrific. Thick ankle league. Slow. Unathletic. Grinding. Plotting. And in Indiana's case, quitting. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis always tells us, he's a philosopher, you know. It's more than just basketball. Really? What is it? Nobody's going to pay attention to any of you clowns uh, for anything other than basketball. I mean, maybe when you get in the NBA, maybe at Center Grove High School when you, oh, I don't know, run a basketball camp, Miller Cop. It's more than basketball. I got Miller Cam. Let me read to you. Indiana people, listen up. Jennifer, I know you got to get the sad out. See, people think it's just me that rips Indiana. No, no, no. God, no. It is not. I am the conduit. I am the one that says what every other Indiana player uh, wants to say, but I'm the conduit. So the other day, I'm minding my own business. I'm not doing for nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm chilling. I'm having a bunch of A&W root beers. I'm watching the game. I got a sack full of Jay's potato chips. I'm feeding my face. And then all of a sudden, the Indiana game comes on. And then all of a sudden, my phone starts dinging. Ding. Huh. Ding. Huh. Ding. Hey, 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 Marie Osmond, what are you doing? Hey, come on. Ding. About 10 different former players all saying the same thing. So I looked at it, and I said, hey, I'll take the best, and I'll read it. So this is a legendary Indiana basketball player. I cannot believe that idiot cop is wearing a headband. The fact that you never wore one in your whole effing career and you have one on in the NCAA tournament is embarrassing. I'm also embarrassed for the coaches that they didn't walk in and tell them to take that effing S off because you've never worn it. You don't change anything when you get in the tournament. Sorry, can't stand Miller Cop. Now, that is the best summation. Uh, and here's my phone that I'm reading from. That's the best summation from a former player. The dude and these dudes <clears throat> are all about their little NIL. And it's not Indiana. I don't care if you do that at Northwestern. Look, here's the deal. I'm going to go teach a class. I'm going to go down. I'm going to call up somebody, and I'm going to say, look, Kansas teaches a class on Indiana basketball. Or, excuse me, on Kansas basketball. Why would they care about Indiana basketball? I have no idea. But anyway, so Kansas makes its players go to a class on Kansas basketball. 
I am going to I am going to tell Scott Dolson because Woodson's so out of it. Woodson's into his own world. He doesn't he don't even know where he is. Like he doesn't Woody hasn't been around Indiana basketball for 40 years, and he's come back, he's taking a lot of money. His buddy Quinn Buckner got him the job. They're doing fine. They got the two tournaments. I'm all in on them. But these players need to understand you don't act that way in Indiana. You just don't act that way in Indiana. You don't all of a show up with a headband because you feel like, well, it's going to help people notice me. You know how people notice you? By playing well and winning. That's how people notice you. But some clown that went to Northwestern, where now Northwestern's good. Did you think Northwestern missed Miller Cop at all? Has Northwestern even begun to miss Miller Cop? They played ahead of Indiana all year. They beat Indiana. And this clown is putting a headband on. Now, this is old grumpy. But it's time for Indiana. They got the right guy to coach because he's going to be able to recruit. They got the right things going on in their program. Now guys have to understand, this is Indiana, not Cincinnati, not UNC Greensboro. This is. You know, there's always a picture that these idiots call the Hoosier hysterics. They put this thing on. And Indiana fans show up. And there's always a picture of the little star in Indiana. The little star, whether it's Kobe Zeller or Cody, whatever his name is, Zeller, or this guy, Jackson Davis. And they're standing there like Jesus in front of an adoring throng. And it's a great picture for the kid, but it's a horse bleed picture, and it's got to stop in Indiana. It's just got to stop. And I'm for all the hate that comes with this because it's been 20-some years. I'm for all of it. We glorify mediocrity in Indiana. You see Duke doing that? No. Nobody does that. Kentucky? No. Kansas, no. Villanova, no. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You don't see it. You don't. You don't. But Indiana, we glorify. I mean, we glorify these clowns that come in through. I love Trace Jackson Davis. If I'm Trace Jackson Davis, I am coming back to Indiana for a variety of reasons. One, last view, you quit. I mean, this wasn't like going against some of these clowns in the Big Ten. This guy's dunked on you. And it's a nondescript post guy. They didn't care about you. They dunked on you, and they made you quit. You got to come back. You become the all-time leading scorer. You're making enough money. All these clowns are paying you to quit. You got to come back. Where are you going? If I'm an NBA guy, I don't care about any of Trace Jackson Davis's year. That thing gives me pause. That gives me pause. Tell you something else I'm doing, and you cannot do it. You can't. I'm getting rid of those damn candy stripes. I know you can't do it. I know it's a staple. I know you sell a bunch. But those candy stripes, I've said for years, they got to go. You got to change this thing up. I'm willing to teach a class on Indiana basketball to Indiana basketball players. Now, it's going to cost you a lot, but I'm willing to. I'll have a, I'll have a PowerPoint. I'll have all, everything. Quit. And when I say quit... I mean, and nobody's blaming Trace Jackson Davis. You guys, you can't blame him. He's been great, man. He's the best we've had since Cheney. Yeah, okay. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Jared Jeffries went to the Final Four. Okay, you're right. You're right. The Indiana mentality, I can't get with. Just keep the Indiana stupid away from me. He's the best. He is. He's terrific. But his last game in Indiana, he quit and his team quit. And that, ladies and gentlemen is something that is unforgivable. Trey Wallace down. Where the hell was it? Birmingham. I got to tell you, Trey, best team I saw all weekend. 
Alabama, best player I saw a weekend. I know he didn't have great games. I don't care about that. Brandon Miller, best player, Alabama, best team I saw, Trey. Uh, good morning, Dan, uh, from somewhere in North Carolina at a rest stop, but it's good to join you. And, uh, I don't, uh, I don't disagree. I mean, Brandon, even playing with a, uh, a groin injury, you know, uh, it just, they didn't have to have, uh, 25 points from, from Brandon Miller. They got just enough. And I, and I thought this team, Javon Quinterly, uh, thought he played fantastic for Alabama. Um, and this looks like a squad. They got a pretty nice path uh, to the uh, to the Final Four, so um, I, I just you know I look at and uh, it's good to join you now via video. Me being hey! dumb, I forgot to turn it on. There you go. That's hey, right. but I, listen, I I thought that I thought when you look at Alabama and the way that they had played, um, it's it's easy to get lost up in the commotion of of Alabama basketball in general. But when you really break it down. This is a team that can hit you from the outside. This is a team that can get you inside the post. Um, and, and I think that they got a path now. You know, playing San Diego State, um, do they potentially play Princeton? You know, in that second matchup in Louisville? I mean, Dan, they, they've got themselves a nice little spot right now uh, to potentially be in the Final Four. They really do. What was, what was the dynamic? When uh, Auburn was playing with Alabama fans, being that you had both of the fan bases right there in Birmingham, you know, I think it's it's always going to be a little bit crazy. Um, I think it, you know, the, the the simple fact is Auburn lost their basketball game, so they started filing out. You know, and they head to the bars and go drink away their sorrows, and uh, and Alabama fans stick around, and uh, it, it's a home court atmosphere. So it, you know. What look? It, it wasn't like a football game where they were all joined in together, going against each other. But you know, I'm sure Auburn fans had a lot of uh, disdain for Alabama, and uh, you know, it, it, it turned into a uh, you know probably an interesting atmosphere for about thirty to forty minutes uh, down in Birmingham. Probably probably nothing compared to what was going on in Greensboro when you had uh, you know K State fans going up against Kentucky fans. I mean, talk about a rowdy atmosphere. Uh, what do you think? You cover the SEC. I'm saying, and I said last year, you know, I follow college basketball. And <clears throat> look, I think Kentucky's sliding, not into irrelevancy quite yet, but uninteresting. I think, you know, I know they got a great recruiting class. They always got a great recruiting class. But I think Kentucky's sliding, really big time sliding in the national consciousness. You know, Dan, I, I look at the program as a whole. And, and when you've got a player like Oscar Shibway, you've got Jacob Toppin. Um, you know, you you look at Antonio Reeves, the way he played. You, you, you kinda, you're, you're missing out on opportunities, man. I mean, you, you know, you get bounced last year by St. Peter's and in Indianapolis. Don't make the tournament before that. Uh, and that year you go, you know, you, you're playing in Greensboro. You make it to the, the, the second game of the weekend and, you know, they came out and went on the 13-2 run to start that, that second half, and I was like, okay, here we go. Kentucky's going to run away with this. All of a sudden, Kansas State keeps hitting some three-pointers. You stay in it. Keontae John. I mean, every, everybody knows Keontae from Florida. You know, the, the story with him, he turns around, has a great game, and you know what, Marcus, no, but I just, look, Kentucky has a problem right now where – they're relevant to their fan base. They're relevant nationally in a sense because of John Calipari. He is a lightning rod. But when you look at the basketball program as a whole, look, 
one title during his whole time at Kentucky with all of that talent, Dan. I mean, I know that March Madness is fickle and you get into it and anything can happen. But, man, look at all the draft picks that they've had. And, and I don't want to say wasted because I think that's the wrong word. But when you look at it from a, you know, a ring standpoint, I mean, you got look how much talent you're putting in. And you look at Kentucky and they're kind of – they're not, not an afterthought, but they're kind of like, eh, okay, this is what we expect out of Kentucky now. You know, get bounced on the first weekend, maybe make it to the second, but not get all the way to the final four. Kentucky fans are mad. And uh, – I think it's going to be a long off season and, and I don't think the, you know, Texas stuff kind of helped out, you know, during the middle of the season when everybody's either a wanting John Calipari to leave the want Calipari to stay and they can't figure out what they want. Now you look at Kentucky and they're going to be headed home and you got a couple sec schools that are going to sweet 16. Coach Tang said, Hey, we had more dudes than they had. And I'll tell you this, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't. They did, Dan. I mean, they did. When they were getting them in the post, they were popping it outside behind the three-point arc. I, mean, I just – look, they Oscar Sheboy can't do it all, man. And and that's the problem that I see right now with Kentucky is they get one-dimensional sometimes. I mean, Calipari talked about it. Hey, let's get Oscar to the free-throw line. Like, that was our plan. That shouldn't be your plan. You got too many damn ball players on your squad. I mean, why, why are you only relying on Oscar Sheboy? And, and what, by the way, one of the best college basketball players I've seen inside the post in a long time, Oscar was. But I just feel like they've wasted opportunities and wasted talent again at Kentucky. Muscleman rips his shirt off. I like it. I, I Look, let me, he's done it before, so it didn't really kind of surprise me yeah. at first. But it, it surprised me that he did it, like, literally when the buzzer went off. Like, that man went straight <laughs> yes. for the Arkansas section. <laughs> Goes full Hulk Hogan uh, to all the Razorback fans, and he is sitting there having a ball, you know, and leading the the Woo Pig Suey chant. And I, you know, the calling the Hogs with his shirt off on national television. I mean, I, look, I thought it was funny. Some coaches will get you know up in their panties about it because you know well, it's not college basketball. And the guy just won a game, man. He, he just won a big game to take his team. His team's going to the Sweet Sixteen. He's enjoying it. He, he just he's he's crazy in general. That's what Musselman is. Uh, so I I thought it was funny. It made for uh, it made for good content. Made for good video. Uh, but now you got to back it up. You got to back it up. And uh, I think when you beat a team like Kansas, you can do whatever the hell you want to do, Dan. Preach, brother. Preach. Look, when you know there there are interesting things. You know, we saw uh, Penny Hardaway throwing a throwing a bottle, Uh, you know what? And we saw a kid try a 360 dunk last night for Florida Athletic. Everybody got upset. I'm like, look, the dude isn't a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do this on national TVs. I don't care what you do. Um, I got to also ask you because I I just – look, I think we need more of Princeton's. We need more of FAU's. But I've always said this, Trey, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. Yes, we want to see Princeton play so-and-so and win. But we also would rather see Duke play frickin' Michigan State than Princeton play Michigan State. Look, I know I'm wrong. I do. I know I'm wrong. 
So that's my takeaway. You were in Greensboro. I mistakenly said uh, Birmingham. You're in Greensboro. What's your biggest takeaway? No, I, I look at it overall, and I, I love the, the fairy tale stories. I love Cinderella and March. I do. And, and it's not like you're bogged down with a bunch of them. You know, uh, you know FAU, they, they made it to, to Madison Square Garden. They're going to play in the Sweet 16 against Tennessee. Um, but you, you look at the other side, you know, of, of that bracket. You got Kansas State and you got Michigan State. You look around the country. I mean, I, I like a story like Princeton. I mean, what happens, man? They, they can go to Louisville, you know, win that first game, potentially play Alabama. And you talk about David versus Goliath, you know, and that would be absolutely wild uh, to see in, the, in that South Regional Final for a chance to go to the Final Four. I, you know, I, I like these type of situations during the year, like the Fairleigh Dickinson game and, and team. That was a fun team for about, you know, 48 hours. And, and then they got, you know, FAU gets them and they have to move on. But I think that it's good for college basketball that we have some of the – and you know what? College basketball, we're getting to a time where, yeah, you can have a, a, a badass team, you know, full of five stars and blue chip recruits. But on a given day, man, you throw somebody out there, you know, on the court and they want it more than you, they're going to beat you. And and they're going to turn some heads, and that's what we saw with with Purdue, where their game plan was thrown out of whack because Fairleigh Dickinson, you know what they they knew how to handle, you know Edie, uh, in a sense made him shoot some outside shots, and I give them a lot of credit. So look, I love the Cinderellas. Give them to me. Uh, we you know I, I look forward to the day where one wins a, a, a national championship, um, and, and you know. Maybe that happens. We'll see. But man, don't 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 take it away. Give it all to me, and uh, we'll we'll see if Princeton can get past right. it. Maybe we can get maybe we can get an upset. Dan, I'll take it, brother. All right. Hey, appreciate you. Get back on the road and drive safe, my friend. Thank you. Hey, buddy. Have a great day. Thanks for uh, letting me hop Thanks. on and continue right. the great work. Thanks, bud. All right, that's my friend Trey Walsh. Check out his podcast. It's really good. He gets everybody on it because he's a freaking stud. That's right. He's a freaking stud, this guy, Trey Wallace. We'll be right back. I got more headlines. Indiana, you quit. Q-U-I-T. Take your headband and go be an accountant somewhere in Gurney, Illinois, Miller Cop. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Yeah, Brandon Cooks gets traded. Cowboys, Texans. Cowboys get Brandon Cooks. Good for them. Texans receive a 2023 fifth round pick and then another pick. Great. Good for Brandon Cooks. I don't know. Who cares? Brandon Cooks, Cooks, whatever the hell his name is. Hey. Are the Cowboys making smart moves? That's unlike Jerry Jones. I don't want to hear it, Jerry Jones. If you're going to make smart moves, I mean really smart moves, then I'm going to have to start saying, wait a second. And maybe, just maybe, you are going to win a Super Bowl. Oh, say it ain't so. All right, see this? This is garbage. This right here is garbage. It's called my bracket. Arizona gone. Duke gone. Marquette gone. So on that side of the bracket, I only got Alabama. I got Alabama, UVA gone. I do have Creighton. Purdue gone. Kentucky gone. Marquette gone. 
Everybody gone on that side. On the other side, I do have Houston. Drake gone. Xavier in. Texas in. We got to get Will Kane. I text Will Kane earlier. He's giving me, what is that, hook em horns? Hook this. But anyway, they're pretty good. UK, okay, you gone. Zags in. UCLA in. Uh, who else is UConn in? Uh, and my bracket sucks. Hopefully your bracket isn't as god-awful as my bracket. Odell Beckham is shooting down reports that say he wants $20 million annually. Good for Odell Beckham for wanting it. Good for him for shooting it down. And I'm guessing Odell Beckham has got more money than he will ever spend right now. And you know what? He is probably, probably in a position to ask for $20 million. I mean, what does he care? I am asking for 20. You give me 16. All right, I'm good. Right? I mean, look, you don't ask for less. You ask for more. And then we come to a conclusion somewhere in the middle. It's called negotiating. Well, now Beckham, don't back down from that. Uh, Bill Maher. Bill Maher has increasingly become a little more centered. I don't think Bill Maher is the crazy, flaming liberal that people think him to be. And I certainly don't think he is a conservative. I don't think Bill Maher is all of a sudden a Republican. I think he's joining myself, Clay, others, just with common sense. That's what we do. We give you common sense. Not crazy this way, not crazy that way. I just try to give you common sense. So you know those protests when someone like Charlie Kirk or Tommy Lauren go to speak at a college and students are protesting and all the little tight jean, uh, fat-ass millennials, all the little purple-haired girls with nose rings, we're mad, we're mad, we don't want it because we're the most tolerant, but we don't tolerate anybody that doesn't think like us and we can't have anybody that doesn't think like us because if you don't think like us, you're wrong and you're a jerk and we can't have you and we want to kill you. Well, Bill Maher spoke out on it. He ripped college kids. Is it worth the pain? He said. Is it is free speech worth the pain? And is it really painful? Is it really painful? If you don't like this guy, don't go to the lecture. Does it really hurt you? Like I've always said, if I ever ran a company because I, ladies and gentlemen, me, this guy right here, I judge people by the content of their character. I do not by the color of their skin. I would hire people, whether I agreed with them politically or not, based on the content of their character and their ability to do a job. I wouldn't care whether you're liberal. I don't care. I just want to know, are you somebody that I would hire? Same thing when I go hear someone speak, or if I go to a church, or if whatever. Uh, I don't care whether or not I agree with you politically, I just want to know if you're interesting, if you're fun, then I'll go. If you don't like a show, turn the channel. If you don't like a broadcast, mute the broadcast. I did a lot of muting this weekend. If you don't want to hear a lecture, don't go. But don't mute, muffle, destroy free speech because they don't agree with me. I'm 21 years old. I've never done nothing. And I know everything. And Tommy Lauren doesn't agree with me. And I'm mad. So I'm going to storm her speech. Yay. And then hopefully you'll know that I'm an activist. And then what happens? 
the fat girl or the fat guy finds a boy, finds a girl, whatever, gets a little older, has kids, starts paying taxes. Next thing you know, they pay attention like, huh, man, was I an idiot in college? Huh? How stupid was I? But they got a good story. We shouted Tommy Lauren down. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And then you're like, huh? Or you stay fat, you stay with your purple hair, and then you're in your 50s and you show up at the same rallies and you're sad. Either way, that's what's going to happen, let's be honest. So I don't think Bill Maher is moving to conservatism. I think he's just moving towards, uh, I'll call it the Clay Travis party. The Clay Travis party of common sense. Well, Clay's your daddy, Dan. No, my dad died. He's right over there in the picture, though, and he's got a cigar and he's got a martini. That's my dad. Now, uh, so there you go. I mean, don't bring crap to me. But the truth of the matter is that man is just starting to figure out I don't have to be wacko here. I don't have to be wacko there. I can just be common sense. Politics is interesting, though. I'm My family, we have a big group chat. Everybody, nephews, nieces, everybody's in it, and everybody kind of celebrates everybody else's successes, right? My, my, my niece, Emily, uh, is becoming a big-time broadcaster on Big Ten Network. She's kind of the voice of softball, or excuse me, volleyball for college volleyball. Beautiful young lady, fantastic woman, love her to death. My entire family, we celebrate everything, except you know what? We don't celebrate me being on Tucker Carlson. We don't celebrate me being on Fox and Friends, which I was this weekend. Politics is a mother, man. My wife put it out to our family. The only response was from my mom and my sister and my sister's husband. It's pretty funny. My sister's husband knew to kind of do it off line. He did it in a private text to me. Politics is a mother. Politics is pretty funny. Uh, Jalen Brown is telling all of us hard to be a black athlete in Boston. Hey, look, I'm not going to walk in Jalen Brown's shoes. If that's what he says, that's what he says. Uh, but I would argue it's tough being an athlete anywhere nowadays. It's tough being a professional basketball player uh, in a big city, no matter what. But I don't know whether Jalen Brown is just piggybacking because that's what he heard everybody else say. I don't know. But I do know this, it takes some nuts to do what Jalen Brown did. Uh, it takes some nuts to, in the middle of your career in Boston, when you haven't won a title to call out a fan base, that is very passionate. So I'm going to say good for Jalen Brown. Seriously, good for Jalen Brown. I definitely think there's a group or an amount within the Celtic Nation that is extremely toxic and does not want to see athletes use their platform or they just want you to play basketball, entertain, and go home, and that's a problem to me. Well, I think you could say that in any fan base. I mean, I say that about games. Look, one of the most refreshing things about the NCAA tournament is no Jalen Rose, no L. Duncan, no Mike Wilbon, none, zero, zip, no Rex Chapman, none, zero. We'd have to listen to Rex Chapman, none. You got politics out of it. In fact, I would argue, I'm not even sure there were any political, I don't think there were any political ads Jason Whitlock said it best. Can I just watch a basketball game? Look, I don't care whether an athlete uses their platform or not. There is not an athlete alive today that I am listening to. You think I'm going to listen to Tiger Woods and his Buddhist principles? Are you insane? 
think I'm going to listen to who? So Jalen Brown is right. He can have a problem with that. But everybody, in every, not everybody, every fan base, I mean, there's always people that are like, dude, you're a basketball player. I used to sit in meetings with coaches, and as they're sitting there and they're pontificating on their great, I'm like, dude, you're a basketball you get paid millions of dollars to put a ball through a hoop. I, I don't want to hear it. Same thing with presidents. You know, Jalen Brown taking a, saying taking a basketball and going home is no different than a president to me. I want the president to lead the country. I don't want any, I don't care about his shenanigans. I don't care about anything other than did you break, don't break laws as a president, right? Don't break laws. Don't embarrass the country. Don't be weak. And we got all that in the president. So every job has that. You know, when you are a sports commentator on 107.5 The Fan, hey, Duncan, stick to sports, man. Stay in your lane. So every job has this. But every job doesn't pay you 15 to $25 million to make you think you're more important than you are. I mean, if Jalen Brown would have said, hey, look, man, it's like Bill Russell. I got my house broken into during games, uh, races, uh, uh, you know, hurled at me. Uh, if you have bad game, they tie it to your personal character. Welcome to my world. Welcome to everybody's world. You have a broadcast, me, when you didn't say what people wanted you to say about their team. Now you're a bald-headed blank that raised bad kids and uh, murders babies. Now I'm just telling you. Uh, I, you know, so really, um, I get it Boston has this history. And I get it if you want to say that Boston is the uh, bastion of racism because of actual racist events, and I got you, man. That's terrible. But not because they don't want to hear your platform or your thoughts. I mean, that's not racist. That's just sports fans wanting sports. You know, sports fan in Boston, black, white, whatever, I mean, I would guess that most people don't make what Jalen Brown makes. I would guess. I would guess that sports fans in Boston would just like to go to a Celtics game Read the Globe, have a beer from Boston, and, you know, not have to hear somebody pontificate. I'm just saying that's in every single walk of life. Everyone, including this show. Dockage, you're, you're unequipped to talk politics. No, I'm equipped. Dockage, stay in your lane. No, I'm equipped. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Novak Djokovic denied another vaccine exemption, won't play in the Miami Open. What are we doing? Like, what are we seriously doing? Novak Djokovic is my people. So Novak Djokovic, one of the greatest tennis players in the history of tennis, if he continues playing well, is not going to play because he can't get in the country or because he doesn't have vaccine. What are we doing? Like, I just had COVID. It's not fun. It kicked my backside. I get it. But the truth of the matter is, what are we, just, what are we, are we still doing this? I'm stunned by this. I'm absolutely stunned that this is the direction that we are still headed in in our country. I am like, come on. You know what I'm saying? Just let Djokovic in. Let's play some tennis. And who cares? You know what I mean? Who cares? I don't, I don't, I don't think. Anybody gives a rat's whether Djokovic is vaccinated or not. Oh, my God, it's a super spreader. Really? All right. Okay. Well, you know, this particular strain, yeah, okay, everybody's a freaking doctor. Everybody's a damn doctor. Well, I'm not a doctor. 
I'm just common sense. And I got to tell you, let Djokovic in. Now, back to the NCAA tournament. I got a top five for you. I got a top five that I put together after the weekend. Now, it could be a top 100. I can go on and on and on and on. Worst broadcaster, Debbie Antonelli. Horrendous. Like, my God, what, what, what are we doing? I know we're not allowed to criticize women like we do men. Second worst broadcaster, Brendan Hayward. Third worst broadcast, Nance Hill Rapp. Love them all. I don't know Nance, and I really don't know Hill. I know Rapp. Great guys. But the giggling, the incessant giggling. Oh, most disappointing team? I don't know. There's a bunch. Most fun team? Fairleigh Dickinson. Yeah. Fun game. Fairleigh Dickinson, FAU. Most handsome coach? Not sure, but I'll tell you this. You'd be hard-pressed to find somebody more handsome than Dusty May. But the top five that I gave the boys, let's start with the top five. Number one in my top five, best team. Best team in my top five, argue with me here, Alabama. When I watched Alabama, here's what I saw. Whoop, 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 whoop. Now, they didn't even need Brandon Miller. He didn't score in the first round. They didn't even need him. Man, are they good. Woo. I don't know. Are they going to win national championship? It's tough. You got to make shots. Best player, I'm not doing best who had the best game. Best player I saw. What I did was I looked like, okay, who would I recruit number one if I were an NBA general manager? And it's no question it's Brandon Miller. It's not even close. Like, there's a lot of – Drew Timmy was terrific. I mean, you know, fine. All, I get it. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. But I got to tell you, this dude is next level. Now, now, it remains to be seen because, look, to be great in the NBA, um, you got to be like Jordan. You got to be like, you got to be like, Matt. you got to be uh, Kobe. You got to be an all-day guy. All-day guy. All-day, all-life. You know, I'm not a big Kobe Bryant fan. I'm just, uh, the rape thing uh, really soured me on him. And he's gotten such an incredible pass that it's a little bit sickening if you want to know the truth. You know, Bobby Hall died and everybody wants to bring up something he said. This dude had to settle a rape, which um, mm, may or may not mean that he did it. And everybody thinks he's a girl dad. So stop. But that mentality that he had, the ball mentality, shut up. Uh, Anyway, uh, you got to have that. So I don't know if this guy's going to be great or not. But I do know he's the best player that I saw. Uh, He just is. Uh, biggest disappointment, man, where do we start? Holy crap. I don't even know where to start. I mean, Arizona. Yeah. You can't be disappointed by Indiana. Indiana is irrelevant. You can't be disappointed as much, uh, when you compare it to Arizona by Kentucky, Kentucky's around UVA, uh, UVA hasn't won a game since I had hair. Duke, you can make an argument, ACC chance, but they got, quote, down in the mud with Tennessee. We're down in the mud. Yeah, we're in the hollers. Yeah. We're going to bring you down with us, pretty boys. We're down here drinking whiskey. You guys are up there drinking Manhattans. We're going to give you a shot of old Smokey. Yeah, we is. Got him down in the mud. Rolled around in the slop like alligators and 
beat Duke's backside. I heard Billis today. He was asked a question on sports. Well, it's a matter of taste. <laughs> Get down in the mud. Tick. Down in the mud. Most fun. Tobin Anderson. Nobody heard of Tobin Anderson. I didn't even know that Tobin Anderson follows me on Twitter. I sent a couple tweets out about Tobin Anderson and his team, and he liked him. That made me happy. Tobin Anderson is a lifer. Tobin Anderson, young guy, worked all the camps, went to five-star. Bunch of great guys at five-star. It's a camp in the East. It's a camp started by a man named Howard Garfinkel, who's a legendary figure. Garf started this way back. Coach Knight was involved, all these guys, and every great player went to five-star. I can still remember the day I got a phone call after the state finals in Indiana from Garfinkel inviting me to spend two weeks at five-star, be a waiter with Chris Mullen, Michael Jordan, all these guys, and, ladies and gentlemen, play basketball. I lasted four days, tore my knee up, had to go home, have surgery, and Garf dog cussed me for leaving. I go, hey, man, you can be mad at me all you want, but I got a bone disease. Here's the bone. It's right there. You can see it cracked. I got to go get it taken out immediately. Leave me alone. Then he called me and apologized, which I'm cool with. But Tobin Anderson at Five Star, there's like a hierarchy. And Tobin Anderson went there. He worked. He was a camper there. He did all these things. So everybody in the East Coast that's real basketball guys love this guy. And you should because he's fun. He's got a personality. He doesn't take himself too serious. It's not Tobin Anderson Incorporated. He's not sitting on the mount looking down. He was fun. And guess what? He won. He beat Purdue, which made him more fun for Indiana fans. I know they got beat by FAU, but he, mate, ladies and gentlemen, was fun. Last but not least, the sliding into oblivion award. Look, Indiana is already in oblivion. Purdue has never been out of oblivion. Uh, Virginia, we're like, yeah, uh, okay, but they're never going to win a tournament. But the sliding into oblivion, as I told you last year, you know it. I'm wearing blue. It's blue. The University of Kentucky. Hell, this Moondrop's glass is even blue. We're all blue today. By the way, Moondrop's is damn good. It's right here in Fortville, Indiana. If you get a chance, go there. It's an incredible place. I got booze bottles from there. It's unbelievable. It's a lot like our place on 6th and Peabody. They make their own booze right there. That's pretty good. But anyway, sliding into oblivion. Why booze? Because Kentucky, we drink that moonshine. You from Eastern Kentucky? It's coal mines. Got to get rid of that damn Yankee, Cal Perry. Knew we should never hire the Yankee. Should never hire the Yankee. Never. Never, ever. I got one more, too. I think I'm going to do the whole show in a Kentucky accent. This is old Kentucky right here. This is old Kentucky. This is Oscar Combs, Kentucky. Uh, best broadcaster, it's never close. Never close. Never. Kevin Harlan. If you listen to Kevin Harlan, you listen like this. Like, my eyes are half shut. Like, my eyes have watched so much basketball, drank so much A&W, zero sugar, that my eyes are like this. But Kevin Harlan makes everything fun. Not some things, everything. There is no fun-er a word, guy in college or professional sports than that man right there. That man right there makes it interesting, energetic, and fun. 
I always wanted to do a broadcast with him. He has sent me notes different times saying, man, we got to work together sometime. Well, maybe, maybe not. But that dude is awesome. Awesome. Not kind of, sort of. He is awesome, awesome, and more awesome. When he does a game, i tell you something else. I know ESPN has to have their diversity things, right? But I happened to catch the Wisconsin game yesterday against Liberty. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. Why am I lying to you? I bet it. So I turn it on, and I hear a kid named Derek Jones and one friend of mine, Paul Biancardi. So Biancardi are doing the game, and I really don't know Derek Jones, but I know Paul, but I don't really recognize Paul's voice. I got a headset on. I'm working out. You know what I mean? But I start thinking, man, is this a great, great, great broadcast? It's not like former players that won't shut up. It's not like smug guys that talk with their nose. Oh, we're gonna, you know, I'm so tired of listening to former players that can't actually see the game. Some of them you love, but it was so nice to hear a coach that kept it short and analytical, and a play-by-play guy in Derek Jones who just did a great job. I don't know. David Seisler and uh, Michael Schiffman are the guys that make those decisions at ESPN. And frankly, they're just worried about their 401ks, getting everybody's jobs uh, filled in and diversity. So I don't know. But Derek Jones is African-American, so maybe they can get more games. All right, we come back. Chad Withrow is going to join us. We had an amazing run gambling on Friday or Saturday. Amazing. And then I got a little south with it. We'll talk to Chad. We're going to break down what he saw. Uh, this weekend in the in the NCAA tournament when we come back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. You know him, you love him, you listen to him. He is, ladies and gentlemen. Outkick 360's Chad Withrow, nice enough to join us now. We had a pretty serious run going, halftime overs or under, excuse me. That was a little bit of fun on uh, Saturday. Boom, boom, boom. Dan, you gave me the type of advice that I love in sports gambling. And it is something that's so very simple that becomes a trend in every game. And that was Friday morning when you reached out and let us know about this little hack about the, uh, the halftime underlines for the final of the games that worked out on Thursday. Friday, I think I went eight and one going through with your method. <laughs> now you're right. Saturday, Vegas tends to adjust. And Vegas adjusted on Saturday. And I, I took a few lumps on Saturday, but I still want to say I was like a game under five hundred, which isn't that bad playing it. So all in all, a, a very nice weekend uh from a from a money standpoint, courtesy of Mr. Dan Dockich with that good piece of advice. So thank you to whoever gave you that advice. I want to thank them as well. There is a secret, and this is a true story. There is a secret society of guys that gamble a lot. Not a little, a lot. Like I'm talking about thirty-five to 50000 a game. And this is one of their things. A friend of mine said, Dan, I'm going to let you in on this. And uh, they switched a little bit to overs because they figured uh, Vegas was going to adjust. But, hey, uh, we told people to do it, and we'll continue to tell people to do it. I'm going to continue to pe- pe- people to do it. What the hell? All right. Uh, Tennessee. Man, they called it getting down in the mud. I talked about, you know, Tennessee's playing like crazy, hitting people in the face. It's glorious. I love watching Tennessee play basketball. 
Duke, when you're a freshman, you just don't have enough for that kind of action. How good's Tennessee? Tennessee is very good on defense, and they struggle to score on offense. And the biggest problem I have with Tennessee, and the reason I had them losing in my bracket to Duke, was that without Zakai Ziegler, they don't have a closer. And Dan, you you know this. In tight NCAA tournament games or in tight basketball games, you need a primary ball handler that makes great decisions, that can get you out of trouble when the other team starts pressing, that can hit 80% or above from the free throw line when they start fouling late in games. I, I call that player my closer. To steal a baseball term, you need that guy that can that can get you out of tough situations late in games. I don't think Tennessee has that with Zakai Ziegler, but what they have not lost is the ability to lock you down defensively and, as they put it, bring you into the mud, and that's what they did against Duke. We talked about this game on Friday, and I said time and time again that I had this sneaking suspicion that Tennessee was going to come out and have a great effort in this game because every time this year that they are the hunted, they're not very good. But when they put themselves in the role of the disrespected and the hunter, they're pretty darn good. And I think we saw that again on Saturday. They had a great game plan defensively. They frustrated Duke's young bigs from the get-go in that game. And Filipowski was 0 for 6 from 3 or, or something like that. I just thought it was a good game plan, Dan, and it was a grown man's game. Tennessee came in with four senior starters, and they said, we're not going to lose to a bunch of freshmen. I don't care if they're all McDonald's All-Americans. This is not how we're going to end our careers at Tennessee and they went out and they big-boyed Duke in that game. So kudos to Tennessee. They surprised me. I'm, I'm excited that they're moving on to the Sweet 16. I knew they were capable of it. Just from what we saw those last 10 games of the season, without, and especially since they lost to Kai Ziegler, it didn't look like a team that was going to close out games well. We even saw that against Louisiana in the opening round where they closed it out, but they're up 18 and they almost lose in that game. So kudos to Tennessee for bouncing back and really just imposing their will on, on Duke and now we get to see if they can do the same thing against a team that's going to chuck up a bunch of threes in Florida Atlantic in the Sweet 16. I want to get your take on this because I'm too close to it. I went to Purdue basketball camp as a kid. I really liked uh, my college or my high school teammate. He went to Purdue. I went to Indiana. Purdue thinks they got the better of that deal, and they probably did. Uh, <laughs> I'm too close to the Purdue and Indiana thing. So from where you're sitting, how big an upset was this with Purdue? And give me your thoughts on the Purdue basketball program. Well, it was a huge upset. I mean, I, you know, people are lying. Maybe one of the members of your secret gambling society was the one who put the $33,000 bet on Fairleigh Dickinson <laughs> on the money line that won nearly 500 k But outside of that guy or girl that bet that game, I don't think anyone saw Fairleigh Dickinson. By the way, a team that should not have been in the NCAA tournament Merrimack won their regular season in the Northeast Conference and won the tournament, but because this stupid NCAA transition rule where they can't go to the big tournament for four years, they were ineligible. That's the only reason Fairleigh Dickinson was even in the big dance. But regardless, they made the most of their opportunity. There's no doubt about it. No, I, I didn't see Fairleigh Dickinson beating Purdue. Here's the biggest issue I see with Purdue as a program, and, and, and I saw you tweeting some about this, Dan, um, I don't put this as much on Matt Painter in terms of in-game coaching or getting his guys too tight. Where it goes on Matt Painter is this team's just not very athletic. I look at this team as, a, as they have a seven-foot-four monster down low. And honestly, they got a bunch of guys who are really stiff athletically around them. Fairly Dickinson was running circles 
around Purdue in this game. They look quicker. They look like they could jump better. They were more explosive. They got to the rim when they wanted. That's the biggest disappointment to me in this game was I'm looking around for someone to answer for Purdue. And once they started triple-teaming Edie, there just wasn't that guy on the floor that could do that for Purdue. It was more of a personnel issue. I look at it and think, man, Purdue had a really good season for one big giant down low and a bunch of stiffs around them is what I'm thinking watching that game. Athletically, it was just a big mismatch. It's it's interesting you say that because um, I'm a Purdue I'm an I'm a Big Ten homer to certain degrees, but I'm watching the Big Ten and I have a couple friends that are still producers uh, of halftime shows, stuff like that at ESPN, and they always called the Big Ten the thick ankle league. You got all these stiff, <laughs> thick ankle guys, and you know, and they, they do it for football and basketball, and they're right, and you know. Purdue wins the Big Ten by three games. Now, think about that. You're used yeah. to watching athletes. You're used to watching guys, Brandon Miller, you know, guys. So you see Purdue, and you're exactly right. These are just, hey, nice players, but they ain't athletic, and they got exposed. But they won the freaking Big Ten by three games, which to me is like, holy crap, how bad is the Big Ten? Well, so l- let me say this also. I-, I do think that we go a little too far. A lot of people will when someone has a problem in the NCAA tournament. Then they say, well, the whole league was overrated, right? Because a few teams either get into a bad matchup situation yeah. or play bad in the tournament. So now the whole league must suck. And well, now the SEC is just far superior to the Big Ten. Look, I think the SEC was better this year than the Big Ten. I don't think the gap is that wide. The Big Ten is still a very good basketball league. But I do think there is something to the style of play. I think Tennessee and Duke is a good example. Tennessee was very much accustomed to getting down in the mud against teams and playing a physical game where the officials will let you play physical and they know what they can get away with and they push it to the limit and then some in the game. We saw that early against Duke. They figured out early what they could get away with and what they couldn't and physically dominated Duke, a team from, let's face it, a pretty soft league. The ACC was not good this year, and I think it's a physically weak league for the most part. Now, we can talk about Miami, Indiana at some point. Miami didn't look that physically weak in that game. But outside of that, I think it's a pretty physically weak league. So the SEC has better athleticism. I think they play a more physical brand of basketball. Does that mean they're light years better than the Big Ten? I don't think so. And thank God for Tom Izzo for the Big Ten standpoint because they are set up well now to possibly make a big surprise run to the Final Four, which would not be his first surprise run to a Final Four. But it feels like Tom Izzo sort of saves the Big Ten's bacon in March almost every year. But again, I'm not going to sit here and say because the Big Ten had a tough weekend that they're automatically overrated or they're a bad conference. I don't think it's a bad conference. Is it slightly overrated? Maybe. Is it less athletic and less physical than the SEC? Absolutely. See, I just look at the Big Ten. I was watching – this was about a year ago, and I've, and I've, it's stuck with me. We're, we're at Indiana um, – and we're playing Michigan. And there are 12, I think it was 13 pros in that game. Like between us, we had Calvert, we had all these guys. Michigan had uh, Fab Five, but they had Riley. They had all these guys. I think there was 13 pros in that game. And I look at the Big Ten and I go, I'm not drafting these guys. I mean, I'm not drafting Trace Jackson Davis I, I, after last night. I mean, I, it, you know, uh, and the way he quit and the way he got dominated by players that actually kind of didn't care who he was. It's, it, I just don't think there's pros there. Uh, let me ask you about Kentucky. 
I said this last year. This is a feeling I get, and normally these things come out to be, I, I'm not bragging here. Yeah, I am. About 100% true on these little feelings that I get. I, I, I felt after last year Kentucky sliding into – not irrelevancy because their fan base is so strong, but certainly I'm disinterested. This year did nothing but slide them farther. I, I mean, I, unskilled, uh, untalented, overrated talent. I, I, there's nothing interesting. And I think Kentucky is starting to slide where Indiana has been for years. And I hope not because I want both back. Dan, I think when your main game plan going into a game is – you got to have one guy get 25 rebounds and 12 of them need to be offensive rebounds and putbacks. And he needs to hit his free throws mixed with your transfer from Illinois State has to be hot from three. Then you got a problem. And that was Kentucky yesterday. I'm looking at that game and Antonio Reeves had to suddenly start shooting better. And then Oscar Sheboy had to dominate. They got to be better than that. They've still got five star guys in that program. They've got the defending Naismith National Player of the Year. They have to be better than that, and they wilted down the stretch of that game against Kansas State. I know that Kentucky fans are not happy, and I agree with them. I took an unofficial straw poll of all of my Kentucky followers last night after that loss to Kansas State, and the overwhelming majority of responses I got, Dan, was, and you'll laugh at this, was, well, let's wait for the super class to come in next year. Let's not judge Calipari because he's got a super class of recruits coming in next year. And I'm thinking, how many times have we heard this? Now, they may be great. You know, they may not be in a one seed in the tournament next year because they've got these guys that are coming in that they're going to hand their entire program over to. I highly doubt that. Most Kentucky fans are thinking, Final Four next year or bust with these guys. I I just, it's hard for me to see a program there, right? I mean, you look at Tennessee, and look, I know Tennessee lost twice to Kentucky this year. Kentucky's got talent, but I see with Tennessee and the SEC, that's a program that's being built. Even Arkansas, the way they play late in the season, we're looking at maybe three straight Elite Eight runs for Eric Musselman. He's building a program, even if he's got some guys who might be lottery picks within that. I think you look around the SEC, I don't see a program there with Kentucky. I see a collection of talent year in and year out that cycles through and cycles out, and even when they had an opportunity this year to bring back a ton of guys – from a year ago, and have a core that returned, Calipari could not capitalize with that. So I don't know if it's it's a relevance they're going to they're gonna slip into, but it's definitely a state of plateau for Kentucky in this program. Maybe they prove me wrong next year with a recruiting class, but I, I'm just not seeing a program being built under Calipari right now. I'm seeing more of an AAU-type setup where Kentucky fans have even been trained to believe well, wait for the superclass because once the superclass arrives, everything's going to be fine, and I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it either. I, I, I'm not buying any of that because I've heard all that. You've heard all that. We've heard all that. Wait, Dan, what, what's, uh, what's Calipari going to say next year? And you, you know this. What's he going to say when they start six and four or they drop a couple games they shouldn't? Guys, be patient. We're young, right? We're young. And I'm thinking, you're young because you choose to be young the way you've done that. He's done this every single year. And there have been years they got better and better. And come March, they could go on a run for that reason. But I think even Kentucky fans now are tired of defending that that, that line of talk oh. from, from John Calipari. And next year, there's a ton of pressure on him because Kentucky fans, when I asked, okay, what coach would you want to hire from Kentucky fans? They said Eric Musselman or Nate Oates. 
And I'm thinking, well, you're aiming high. And with Nate Oates, you're not exactly aiming for the most morally centered person based on recent <laughs> events. So it's all about basketball in Kentucky. And maybe they're right. Kentucky believes they can hire any college coach in America because it's Kentucky. So for that reason, there's a ton of, uh, of pressure on John Calipari now going into next season. I agree. Clock is ticking. I mean, people say whatever you want, but the clock is ticking. That Reese kid, uh, my son's assistant at Illinois State, that kid got 500 grand to go to Kentucky. Last I, I don't know what he shot yesterday, but I thought at one point he was 0 for 11. Can't, you know, I would go too. I mean, look, not only are you going to Kentucky, but you get 500 grand in your pocket. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty sexy. I want to go back to something, and I, I, I did see this, and I made a note to ask you, and I forgot. The national media is all over Tennessee for being too physical. I got two words for you. My backside. They played hard. <laughs> they played tough. And they're going to play the way the refs say they're going to play. That's it. Uh, I, screw these idiots. I, I, yeah, that, I, I saw some of that, too. And I'm thinking, are you, are you kidding me? Also, look, I think it starts with Eros Plofsic, right? They start the game. And he shoves, uh, uh, he, he shoves the Duke, the Duke guy out of the way, right? So everybody, oh, okay, look at this. Now it was a flop. He wasn't shoved very hard. He got one hand on him on a rebound, and he went flying, and it looked terrible. And they had to review it, like they have to review everything. And then on the second one, I thought that he went over and just boxed the guy out. I mean, did he hit him hard and go and make contact with him? Yeah, but he was seeking a body to box out and go for a rebound. I, I had no issue with it. And look, Tennessee is going to fall victim to this at some point. I thought it was going to be in this Duke game. If officials decide we're going to call everything, and anytime you get a body on someone, it's going to be a foul, well, Tennessee's probably not going to advance to the next round when that happens because they need to play this way. But this is the way you want games to look, I, I think. Now, you don't want some clunker where it's you know 43-42 because the refs aren't calling anything, but I, I didn't see that as the case. On, uh, on on Saturday in this game. I thought in the second half, they allowed it to be played physical without really hindering the offenses too much, which is exactly what I want. I looked up and there were three fouls apiece with like eight minutes left in the half. And I'm thinking, boy, this is a welcome relief watching an NCAA tournament game that's not having all these huge foul issues throughout. So, yeah, the, the national media that has a problem with the way Tennessee plays, I mean, come on. G give them a pacifier and a little warm bottle of milk and let them go watch some other sport because this is March. And if you're going to face a physical team, you got to be ready to play a man's game. And I don't think Duke was completely prepared to play that game. And it's probably not their fault. They're, they're, they're too young. They're coming off the AAU circuit right into college basketball, and they're not accustomed to playing 23, 24-year-old guys, 22-year-old guys that are as developed as, as Tennessee and have been together as long as the Vols have. Do you, last thing uh, before I let you go, do you think that Alabama is the best team? And do you think because they have the best route right now, they, you know, is this a walk? I mean, are, are, they, are they clearly in your mind better than anybody? Yes, I think they're clearly. I picked them to win it all. They, they have the best route right now. I, I do think they're the best yeah. team. I think they'll win it all. Let me give you two teams, though, Dan, that I've got my eye on right now uh, in this tournament that have impressed me, and I think they're very connected. This is a key tournament I hear now all the time on television. This group is connected. Yeah, right. Gonzaga right. and UConn. 
UConn's got some great depth, too. I like the way Hurley has them playing hard. Those are two teams I have my eye on that I think could contend. If I'm, I don't have as good a gambling as advice as your, you know, secret society of gamblers in Indy. But I will say this: if you want to take a long shot on some money on a team, UConn or Gonzaga is one I would put some money on for a national champion uh, because I like the way those two teams are playing. But ultimately, I do believe Alabama is the best team, and I think they're going to win it all. I do too. I mean, I didn't, and then I watched them. I'm like, okay, this is just different. Speaking of UConn and betting. I loved when UConn got down early yesterday because what has two thumbs and loaded up on UConn? This guy right here. That guy right there. Smart man. Smart man. You (laughs) wait until your team that you have a lot of faith in falls behind. It's the tried and true method. And then you go money line when they're down 14 to four early in the game. I did the same thing with Gonzaga, too, and Drew Timmy. Who is, Did you know Drew Timmy has another year left if he wants? Did you know that? Oh, I love when Barkley said, you know, the, that's sort of the line from Tommy Boy that he stole. But guys in school this long, we call them something. It's doctors. You know, they need to get out. COVID is <laughs> yeah. over. Guys shouldn't be in school for this long. Uh, I love when Barkley said that. But, hey, that's the world we're living in now. Guys are playing six, seven years. You know, they're 25, 26 years old by the time they leave college. It does, I think, you know, it, if you're playing the team, it's going to be annoying if you got to go up against that all the time. But I do think it helps the game for name recognition uh, purposes and helps programs because you get guys around for so long, they feel like they're a part of your family if you're following these programs closely. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for the game as opposed to the one-and-done culture or the one-year-then-transfer culture where you never get to know a player. I thousand percent agree. I go back to baseball where every year I knew it was going to be Don Kessinger leading off, Glenn Beckert, Billy Williams, Ernie Banks. I knew the lineup and I love that. Absolutely love that. Just got a text from Izzo. You want to hear it? Thanks, Danny. Crazy year. Uh, Let's see. I sent him a text saying, oh, hell, hell yes. Congrats, Danny. Thanks, man. Crazy year. I'm not sure what to think, but I do think we're going to New York and have a chance. Thanks again, Izzy. There you go. Mr. March. Uh, there you go. Mr. So, March, Tom Izzo, it, once again does it. He, he, it's amazing. Appreciate you, my friend. I'll talk to you this afternoon. Thanks, Dan. That's Chad Withrow. Catch him. Outkick 360. Outkick is starting to dominate the airwaves, and Outkick 360 has been. All right, let's talk about what Chad brought up. Let's talk about the freaking referees. Let's talk about the fact that every single game, at the end of the game, we got to go on every little touch. We got to go to the monitor. Every three. Here's what really drove me nuts, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. Guy takes a three. Boy, is that a good stroke. I I can't get that elbow quite in there, um, but a little out, but comfortable. Anyway, guy takes a three. Here's the line. His foot is here. If you can see, he's across the line and referees, he got three of them out there and the ball is in the guy's hands that's shooting. And you got to go to the monitor to see what in the, if the guy stepped on the line, it drove me nuts. Guy touches somebody going for a rebound. We got to go to the monitor. No, I understand going to the monitor on who touched the ball. 
out of bounds. I understand going to the monitor when there's something blatant in the head. But the only reason, and this is true, the only reason these guys go to the monitor on all these little touches is because the NCAA head of officials and the NCAA coach said, every time there's a touch to the head, we've got to go to the monitor. Shut up! Speaking as someone that has a big fat head, you don't have to go to the monitor. You do have to go to the monitor when somebody gets a shot. But I grab a rebound and this hits you in the face. We don't have to go to the monitor. Well, it's a basketball play. No, shut up. You're making me crazy. You're stealing the momentum of a game that thrives on momentum. That's what you're doing. You're stealing it at the most important part of the game, the end of the game. And now we got to look at the backside. I swear to God, I should put, if you guys in sales uh, want to see if we can get this done, we should put don't at me, 9 to 11, on the backside of every ref in the NCAA tournament. It'd be unbelievable promotion. It'd be incredible. You know, they're always leaning over, they're looking, they're seeing. Just put Edith Joe's on the back. Don't at me on something. Get some advertising. The NCAA is like Vegas. They want every dollar that you have when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Do you say, hey, I always said, look, for some games, I'd put your ad right here on the big bald spot that I used to have before I came home. Serious business. I mean, honest to God, it's the worst thing in basketball. You're like, all right, I tell Lee, I go, this is going to take five minutes. This is going to take five minutes. We're going to have to sit. And then look, I got nowhere to be, so it doesn't really bother me, but I understand the flow of basketball games, and I understand momentum, and I understand this squashes it. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Anyway, Dan Drew Timmy is only 22. Shut up. This guy's an idiot. Uh, all right. Just can we I, – look, I, goaltend, look at it. Great. But look at it and be done with it. But every little shot to the chops, every little freaking deal, let's go to the monitor. No, let's not. No. You play basketball. You got a human element. You got referees, human. People playing, human. Ball's out of bounds. You want to go to the monitor? Great. Big call. Well, I don't care. I just want to get it right. Shut up. Shut up. Go to the monitor. Let's go to the monitor. What are we going to the monitor for? Uh, somebody touched somebody on the previous shot going up for a jump shot. I don't know about you guys, but I have had an absolute enough. Where are we with uh, Penny Hardaway throwing a water bottle? Like, look, here's where I am. You get what you get. Penny Hardaway last year, man, I tell you what, they played an epic game with Gonzaga in the NCAA. It's great. Penny Hardaway's done a nice job at Memphis. Penny Hardaway will be the Memphis coach forever unless he wants to go somewhere. But that was a kid's move. That was an AAU move. It's not 1987, Bob Knight banging on a phone. You could do that back in the day. Katie throwing his sport coat. John Thompson calling uh, white referees racist as loud as he can. It was glorious in those days. But it's now where we're, we don't do that. Because Dan Walken or Jeff Goodman are going to get matched. Pull this and plays Jingle Bells. Look, I ain't mad at you, Penny Hardaway. I'm mad at you because you're a little AAU coach and you've done okay. But throwing a water bottle, nah, get over yourself. We'll all survive. All right, biggest 
biggest disappointment for me is Indiana. It is Arizona. It is. But you know what? When you have disappointments, you got to kind of praise the other guy. Like, I'm disappointed in Indiana. Half our YouTube chat's disappointed in Indiana. But don't you have to look and say, hey, Miami, that's a hell of an effort. You literally took Indiana and beat them into submission. You took a guy that's supposedly first-team All-American and made him quit. You were quicker. You were tougher. You were faster. You were stronger. And you whooped up on a blue blood program. Kansas State, same thing. Kansas State, you had better players. You had more skilled players. I don't know if you had more NBA players. I don't know, and I don't care. Kentucky did not have much skill. Kentucky did not have anything other than Shibway fumbling the ball around, getting it back. It was embarrassing for Kentucky last night, but you got to talk about the team, and you got to talk about Coach Tank. Think about this from Kansas State. Kansas State, when Coach Tang showed up there from Baylor, had two players on the roster. Not one, two. That's it. Two. Now they're in the Sweet 16, and now they just beat Kentucky. That, ladies and gentlemen, needs to be celebrated. I had Izzy and the boys going out in the first round. I thought USC had some stones. Turns out USC is exactly who we think West Coast basketball teams are. Skilled, athletic, up and down, but no heart late. Izzy's team, all heart late. So you say, well, I got to tell you, Marquette was playing so great. They were. Shaka Smart done a great job. He did. Absolutely great job. But Izzo's team did what Izzo's teams do. Hanging around. Sometimes you got to give credit to the team that won as opposed to be disappointed in the team that lost. Like Tennessee, you can whine and moan about Tennessee getting them down in the mud or being too physical for Duke, but you know what? That's their style. Tennessee's got good players, tough players, strong players, believing players, and you got to celebrate that. Duke's got pros, absolute pros. Phil Powski or whatever the heck his name is, pro. I was texting the other day or about a month ago with the GM, Kevin Pritchard of the Indiana Pacers. He's like, hey, what do you think we need? And I told him, I said, you need a kind of an athletic four-man shooter, that kind of easy. You're absolutely right. I go, you seen any? I go, other than Filipkowski, whatever the hell his name is, no. No, I really hadn't. But you got to celebrate the teams that are doing those things. You got to celebrate FIU. And by the way, Dusty May, the head coach of FIU, will join us tomorrow at 9.15. Looking forward to that. But you got to celebrate. Uh, FDU, not be disappointed in Purdue. Sure, if you're a Purdue fan, you are. But man, oh man, FDU got hot defensively. They started swatting Purdue's guards like I'm swatting flies. And by the way, I am America's greatest fly killer. I will tell you my secret on another show. And then you got to celebrate what FDU did. Yeah, Penny Hardaway threw the water bottle. But don't you got to celebrate, spread them out, shoot threes. And you know what's the interesting thing? i tell you what's interesting about FAU. They got dudes that look really calm. They got like dudes that are look like adults. And Dusty May, when he speaks, sounds like an adult. Doesn't sound like a child. It's pretty good stuff going on there at FAU. Look, I don't know what's next for them, and I don't care. I mean, look, are they going to win the national championship? I don't know. But I'll tell you this much. 
They made a grown blank NBA legend cry like a baby and throw a water bottle in a fish. That's pretty good. All right, we'll be right back. I got stock up and I got stock down. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. I was answering a couple things on the YouTube chat, ladies and gentlemen. How good was that? Apparently, on the YouTube chat, we don't like white coaches. What white coaches do? The hell did white coaches do? Why are we so mad at white coaches? There you go. Watch Dan Dockage. That's it right there. Dylan, I didn't hear you. Is everything all right? I want to make sure. Say something in my ear, and I'll keep going. Uh, But anyway, we don't like white people. We don't like white coaches. We don't like white coaches. Apparently, I don't know. These guys don't like white coaches. I like Dusty May. Gritty likes Dusty May. Gritty knows, Gritty Jen knows exactly what's going on. Apparently, so, look, I ain't mad at white coaches. I ain't mad at black coaches. I ain't mad at white referees. I ain't mad at black referees. Uh, I, I treat everybody the same based on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Speaking of content of their character... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I know it's passe, and I'm getting a little tired of it, if you want to know the truth, but I absolutely love watching her play basketball, and I really don't. I'm not going to be one of those guys that tells you I love women basketball. I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. I, I know I'm supposed to. You know, I know everybody gets mad. Uh, I know I get it, blah, 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 blah. Okay. I, I don't love watching women's basketball, but I like watching Caitlin Clark, and I like watching Indiana. Like, Caitlin Clark says, look, uh, I wasn't going to let us lose. They're second seeded. Uh, last year, they were second seeded. They got upset at home. This year, she said, hey, look, we, we ain't messing around. They beat Georgia. She got it done. She went and did her thing. I'm trying to see. I, I thought I uh, – oh, yeah, how about this? This is the number that I saw. I, I got all these notes here, and I'm, they're a combination. But anyway, she scored – I want you to listen to this – or assisted on 27 consecutive points for Iowa. She scored or assisted on 27 consecutive points on Sunday for the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's right. Scored or assisted. She's the woman. Uh, Side note, I didn't tell these guys. Also, Harvard softball, that's right. Now, I love softball and I love volleyball. But Harvard softball, guess what? They went 3-0 over Princeton. Now Princeton is 0-19 on the year. Bad year for Princeton. Was it Princeton? I think it was Princeton. Anyway, no, I'm going to Princeton this weekend. I don't know. Yeah, it was Princeton. I'm arguing with myself. But anyway, no, I'm going to, uh, I don't know where I'm going this weekend, but I'm going somewhere. And it's going to be fun because everywhere I go is fun. I can't remember. My wife told me she got a flight for me and we're going. No, we're going to Boston. But Harvard Softball (laughs) ended up winning uh, three games in a row. So they are the Caitlin Clark of Ivy League softball so far. Will Kane, you know you love Will Kane. Will Kane is my friend. Will Kane, I'm trying to get him on the show. But Will Kane did me a solid, yo. Will Kane calls me on Friday. I literally had gotten a workout in, true story. I literally was minding my own business about five o'clock. And I do this workout where I go five miles. Now, I'm 60 years old, but I'm still a freaking stud. That's right. So I go five miles. I was watching games, five miles, blah, 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 blah. I go get myself, some friends of mine, uh, 
left this beer called Amber Bach or something. It's yellow. It's really good. It's big. I sat down in my little chair over here. I got me an Amber Bach. I was going to watch games. My phone rings. It's Will Kane. Hey, come on Tucker Carlson tonight. I go, all right. He goes, uh, my producer will call you yeah, or whatever. And uh, long story short, Lee and I drove downtown. I drank the rest of the beer. Two hours later, I was on a show. What do I care? I went downtown. We did the show. And then he's like, hey, come on Fox and Friends on Saturday morning. So I go on Fox and Friends. I did you all a solid. We're a family here. The YouTube chat, the folks that are with me every day on Twitter, we're a family. So every time I'm out there, I want to represent yo. So I go on the show, knock it out of the park, and I got to say a thank you to my friend Will Kane. I do. His hair was glorious. We were making fun of Camilla Harris. It was great. And then on Saturday on Fox and Friends, uh, one of the ladies on Fox and Friends asked me, can Fairley Dickinson go all the way? My response was, no, and I think I embarrassed her, so I apologize to her, and I hope they will bring me back. But Will King, you the man. Tucker Carlson host, I was on it. I had a great time. Uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Uh, Look, here's the deal. I like those two guys. I don't care about any of the Benefers or any of that kind of stuff, but I dig them. I like them. Boston guys done good. Yeah, they're they're, they're like the Wahlbergs. They're fantastic. And they're doing an MJ movie. So this new movie is going to come out on Michael Jordan, all right? It's going to come out, and it's going to be, you know, how Nike got Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan has, whatever. But here's what I would say. On the day Michael Jordan, according to Michael Jordan, Signed his Nike deal in the morning. He was playing golf with me, Pat, uh, Timmy Knight, Steve Alford, Jordan. We had a foursome at IU. I won six grand off him. All right? Won six grand off the man. He didn't pay, but that was on the day. I wish they would have put that. Vin Diesel could have played me. It would have been glorious. Um, I actually was going to say Bruce Willis, but Bruce Willis is really struggling. My prayers go out to Bruce Willis. I really like Bruce, Bruce Willis. I did. But anyway, uh, so these two guys are in the movie. What I like about these two guys is loyalty. Loyalty. These are two guys that are friends. These are two guys that have maintained a friendship. These are two guys that have gone through personal struggles, good and bad. These are two guys that have become richer than they ever thought, more famous than they ever thought. But you know what? These guys are grounded in friendship, and I dig it. I dig it a lot. So now, once again, they're making a movie. I don't really go to movies. I don't like the movie industry. I think they suck, but I like these two. So I don't know if I'm going to go to the movies. I may just stay at home and watch it here. But I got to tell you, I'm going to watch the movie. But, fellas, the day the man signed his Nike contract, he was getting his backside whooped again by moi. Put it in the movie. I won't ask for no credits. I just like promoting myself. I love me some me. That's right. I do. Uh, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley is the best thing on television. I'll never understand to this day what Clark Kellogg has ever brought to a broadcast other than saying stupid stuff that is inconsequential. The pumpkin. Stat sheet stuffer. He fancies himself, Kellogg does, as the traffic cop. 
He's useless on there. I understand he checks boxes. I get it. I understand. He's a very nice man. He's a very smart man. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. All right? All right. Barkley's the only thing at halftime worth watching. Seth Davis is a little weenie who talks too much about himself. Candace Parker is ill-prepared. And Jay Wright's great. Why they have relegated Jay Wright to the second string and allowed Wally Zerbiak or whomever is unbelievable to me. Put Tom Crean, Jay Wright, and get yourself some diversity. Uh, put in there Brett, Greg Grumble or whatever the hell his name is, and that's a show on the, on the second set. You got to keep Barkley. There's no reason to have anybody other than Barkley, Kenny Smith, Ernie Johnson. I like that they gave a diversity hire uh, to Wally Zerbiak. That was nice of them. Throw him on the big stage. A little diversity hire there. But we don't need diversity hires. We need more Charles. Well, Charles Barkley talked about we used to shower in our uniforms. He said they used he used to shower in a uniform. Shout out to all the trainers and the guys who do all the uniforms. To get those uniforms cleaned up and everything, I'm so old, we used to take a shower in our uniforms. All right. There's no way that you're supposed to wash your uniform. You're making this up. No one in their right mind would shower in their uniform. When I first go to the NBA, we flew commercial. So when you played the night before, we flew the next morning. Uh, when was you exactly going to get your uniform clean? You had to wash your uniform yourself. So after the game, when you got to your room, you took a shower in your uniform, dried it, dropped it on the commercial plane the next day. Ch- uh, Clark Kellogg said, Chuck, that you can clean your uniform without showering in it. No, I like it. I like what Barkley said there, and I believe it. I do. There's all kind of things back in the day. I've told the story many times of peeing on Steve Alford because I got peed on by Randy Whitman. It's what you do. Circular showers. You're standing next to a guy. Next thing you know, you look down. You're like, ah, come on. <laughs> I always told the story about Randy Whitman, who ended up being the Big Ten player of the year, longtime NBA player, longtime NBA coach. Randy Whitman used to be able to fart on command. He would roll on his back, roll up, put his leg in a ball, and he would roll and he would fart, and we would count him before we went out to practice. That's a true story. I don't know what his record was, but but he could do it up to 20, 30 times. That's what guys do. And oh, by the way, did you see yesterday, like, oh, my God, we're swearing. We can't swear. Swearing is horrible. No children should swear. Did you see not one but two guys? Two guys were swearing yesterday. Drew Timmy, God bless him, uh, Drew Timmy dropped the big one. Drew Timmy dropped the bomb, right? He dropped the big old fat F-bomb on him. Yeah, he did. He dropped the big old F-bomb on the national airwaves. Janelle Davis, kid from Gary, Indiana. I don't know what the hell 21st century school is. I don't know. I mean, did he go to Roosevelt, Emerson, Horseman, Gary Wirt? Did he go to West Side? Did he go, what, what? But 21st century sounds like one of these made-up schools. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's the greatest. But John L. Davis dropped the S word. And Jamie Ergo goes, ah, don't worry about it. We're on true TV. People swear. We get so offended. He swore at me. He used foul. That's what we do. That's who we are. We use foul language. All right? Cares. It's so gross. Uh, A guy bet $33,000 on an FDU to win 
$495,000. I feel like that's low. I, I, I feel like that's low. Oh, I'm, yeah, I do. I feel like, all right, um, it's a little low for my taste. You're seeing 528, but you got to deduct the 33. That's where we came up with 495. I just don't feel that that's enough. Plus 1500. See, my wife looks at this and she says, well, I've told you basketball's fixed. How'd this guy know? How'd this guy come up with that? Like, I'm on a text chain. I started a text chain with Clay and Chad and Jonathan. And I'm like, hey, look, some of these guys bet about 30 grand on a game. And Clay's like, well, that could be like you betting 100 on. I mean, depending on your means. And he's absolutely right. But I wondered, did this guy know something? Because my wife will tell you that every sport except hers, except softball, is fixed. She'll tell me how basketball's fixed. And I go, all right, well, why isn't softball? Nobody cares. Okay. All right. I mean, what am I supposed to say to that? Uh, let's go stock down, ladies and gentlemen. Stock down all you Purdue fans uh, blaming Matt Painter. Who do you want? Tell me who you want. You farmers, who do you want? You know, it's easier to go to the moon from Purdue than it is to go to the Final Four. More guys from Purdue have been on the moon than Purdue has been at the Final Four. It's a great little statistic. It's tremendous. But I got to ask you, who you want? I mean, you got a guy that sells out the place every night. You got an unbelievable fan base. You got everything you need. You just happen to lose three years in a row in the first round. I get it. I do. I get it. I understand. I understand your disappointment. I understand that, hey, look, we've been so good. We've lost. Who's the common denominator? But who do you want? I mean, John Wooden did go to Purdue. John Wooden wasn't All-American, but I got to tell you, and I hate to say it to you, but John Wooden's dead. Lived a great life, John Wooden, but he ain't coming back to coach Purdue, so who do you want? You just won the Big Ten. You just won the Big Ten tournament. You have a great program, never a problem in your program, and now you want the guy gone. Pink man, he ain't going to get us done. Really? Well, okay. We got to get it. This is my other thing I heard, and this is so stupid. Uh, we've got to get away from the Katie family. We got to sweep this out and bring somebody else in. And then somebody, and then the same guy said, Micah Shrewsbury. I don't know what to tell you, but that dude coached at Purdue under Painter. You guys are unbelievable with that crap. Seriously. You're unbelievable. Stop it. You lost. Get on. You got a great coach. You got a great person. You got a great fan base. Uh, you're the settle school in Indiana. We know that as a player, you settle. As a player, yeah, Indiana's not recruiting me. I'll go to Purdue and show them. That's the mentality. I get it. I do. But the fact of the matter is this. Uh, you got the perfect coach for you, and you know my mottos. I live by a couple mottos. Sack up, certainly one. Be careful what you wish for. Indiana, we got to get night out of here. How's that going? Heh. I'm just telling you. Be careful what you wish for. That's real. That ain't kind of real. That's real, real. And the fact of the matter is, uh, if you're wishing for somebody else, I'll go to the YouTube chat. I'll go wherever you want. Who do you want? Joe Biden, ladies and gentlemen, stock 
down. Joe Biden was besieged by questions relative to his son's dirty dealings, and they are all outlawed if you watch Fox News or watch the news in general. Uh, They are all dirty dealings. They're dirty dealings. They're dirty. They're filthy. Filthy. But nobody's talking about it. And when asked about Joe Biden's son, the great Hunter Biden, paying off family members using his dad's name as influence, Biden just said, that's not true. Biden still hasn't discussed anything. I just don't like Biden. I, when I lose respect for somebody, then I lose my mind on them. That's just the way it works. So Joe Biden stocked down. At some point, I would think, as the president of the United States, you'd stop lying to us. And at some point, I think you got to answer some questions about the dealings of your family. Now, national media ain't going to do it. The in-pocket media ain't going to do it. But I got to tell you, at some point they will. And at some point, you're going to have to answer for the Biden crime family. But hey, in the meantime, God bless you. You got everybody fooled and you're doing your thing. All right, the NBA. Michael Jordan, when he got, and I know this is facts from his age. When Michael Jordan got late in his career, he had no interest in coaching. He had no interest in GMing. He had no interest in being a president of a team. You know what he had interest in? Owning. It's like Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's never coming back as the coach GM or vice president in charge of player personnel. He's going to be an owner. That's what guys of that magnitude do. The NBA has a problem. Michael Jordan is really smart. Michael Jordan is not a little woke dude. Michael Jordan is a man's man. And he's seeing what's happening with the NBA. So you know what he's doing? He's trying, allegedly, reportedly, to sell his interest in his team. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. He doesn't want to be an owner. Who in this day and age other than through scandal, doesn't want to be an owner of a major sports franchise. You know who doesn't? People that can see beyond their nose. People that can see maybe where this whole thing is going. That's what I read into it. You may read into it different. But I read into it, Michael Jordan is smarter than any of the people he's dealing with. Always has been, always will be. He doesn't have an awoke agenda. He doesn't have a Republican. He doesn't have any agenda other than cold, hard cash, greenery. That's what he has. He has a cold, hard cash uh, deal. That's it. Total, that's it. He's getting out ahead of the posse. Ratings are through the are, are crap. Jordan knows what I've been telling you. The NBA has adopted the AAU mentality. You got guns. You got guys looking like idiots on the sideline. You got daddies, mommies, baby mama. You got the whole crap. And he knows it. And he is getting out. A little bit of breaking news. Fox Sports' John Fanta says that unless he has a change of mind, Ed Cooley will be the next head coach at Georgetown, which is cool. Ed Cooley's a great dude. Georgetown, a historic program. Ed Cooley, though, in the same league, jumps league, and heads over to Georgetown, at least allegedly, unless he has a change of mind. Now, here's the deal with that. A few years ago, Matt Painter was absolutely taking the Missouri job. A guy in the meeting told me he left there taking the job. Had a change of heart, went back to Purdue. Purdue's been the better for it. Missouri is now figuring it out because, well, uh, Dennis Gates is really good as a coach. So there you go. But that is kind of, sort of breaking news.
Didn't work out for Patrick Ewing. I'm sad about that. I think Patrick Ewing is terrific. This guy, Ed Cooley, is an adult. He is an adult. He's a fun guy, compassionate guy, tough coach, but players love him. People love him. He is terrific. And he'll do a terrific job bringing Georgetown. Look, let's be honest. Of all the jobs you're going to take, Georgetown might be the best. I mean, how can you not? I mean, they lost 26 in a row. My God. You know, you don't want to follow the Beatles. Uh, You just don't. All right. Let's go. Who is our woke-a-dope clown idiot moron that we are going to make fun of right here? We got a woke-a-dope segment right here, ladies and gentlemen. I kid you not, a diesel generator charging one of Camilla's electric school buses she loves so much. Let me let me a minute about Camilla Harris. All right, we're all making fun of Camilla Harris. Camilla, Camilla, I, I don't know. We're all making fun of her for her speech to her school, Howard. I did, but I got to say this about Camilla Harris. That's a tough speech. And you know what? Fuzzy Zeller, the great golfer, the guy who not only won the Masters, he won the U.S. Open, he made some really stupid things uh, about, about uh, Tiger Woods, really ignorant, Southern Indiana-type stupidity. Fuzzy Zeller came into Indiana's locker room after a practice, not after them getting their brains beat out. And Fuzzy Zeller, I took him in, introduced him, and he spoke to the team. It was the dumbest, most arrogant, stupid speech I've ever heard, right? I'm sitting there going, man, this guy is either drunk, an idiot, or both. All right, we come out, we thank him. He leaves, Knight, Coach Knight goes to me, hey, Dan, I was fuzzy. I go, never have him speak to your team again. Complete idiot. But it's a hard speech. If you're not a coach. I mean, if you're a coach, you're used to speaking to anybody, anytime, anywhere. I got like 20 speaking engagements lined up uh, coming up here over the next, I don't know, six months because I'm comfortable doing it. And Camilla Harris should be comfortable doing it. Nobody should be more comfortable giving a speech, no matter what the circumstance, than the vice president or president of the United States. But she went Camilla Harris. She talked to him like she was third graders. But in fairness, it's a tough speech. But also, in fairness, Kamala Harris is an idiot. And I swear to God, and people have called me racist for this, and that's fine. But again, I judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. All right? So here's the deal with Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, I always think, is high. I do. I always think she's on, like, something wacky. Like, I want to take Xanax, or I want to take whatever those things are, Adderall that everybody takes, you know, happy meds. I've never taken them. I ain't mad at them. I'd like to take them. What the hell? But she seems like she's always on them and it distorts her ability to be a human being. So there you go. I kid you not, diesel generator charging one of Camilla's electric school buses she loves so much. This Juanita Broderick, she's the one that that alleged uh, got raped by Clinton. All right. Mom lives on $100 a week, eats instant noodles for dinner so she can afford to buy her baby Louis Vuitton outfits. If I have to starve myself, I would. What are we doing? Like, why does a baby need a Louis Vuitton outfit? I'll never understand it. And you parents, by the way, you're starting to make me crazy. 
Yesterday, my wife and I, we go to Traders Point Church. I've been going to Catholic Church here, and I really liked it. But my wife's home. She likes to go to that church, so I go. We go to Traders Point Church. And after Mass, I go into, or whatever you call it, service, I don't know. Uh, I go into the romper room, you know, the daycare center. This church is great. By the way, I saw Carson Wednesday. What a good guy. Anyway, I go into this. And parents, young parents, are picking up their kids. So I walk through, I go to the bathroom, and I'm walking slow, listening to these freaking idiot parents. No! Treat your kid like an adult. Make his ass walk. I'm kidding. But I got to tell you, uh, the way parents talk to their kids, I guess is what I did. I don't know. And I know I'm old grumpy white guy, and I know I'm yelling at clouds and all that stuff. But you guys are nuts with the kids thing. Your kid doesn't need Louis Vuitton. You know what he needs? Louis, uh, what was my neighbor's name? Louis Bacallo. Yeah, get a Louis Bacallo. Louis and his family, I think they came from Brazil, lived down the street. Get a Louis. Get a Buffalo Louis. Great restaurant in Bloomington. Get a, <laughs> get a Louis Carnaseca. Starve yourself then, lady. Starve yourself. The crap we worry about. It's unbelievable. The garbage we worry about. Man, oh man. Pete Thamel is reporting. Hoyas and Providence Coach are in positive conversation. Pete Thamel's interesting. He was always a friend of mine until I came here. <laughs> Pete Thamel would always come on. We had a million beers one night, me, him, Urban. Uh, and there you go. Who would play young Dan Dockich in a movie? Moses? <laughs> Moses? I'll take it. Wait, Moses. Went up a hill, came down with the Ten Commandments? I'll take it. Brad Pitt? I don't know who Jason Stratum is. Statham is. I don't know who that is. I was thinking more of Vin Diesel. Although if you do put a little bit of hair on me, people say I look more like Woody Harrelson. Not mad at that. I'm all right with that. But hey, I'll take Moses. I'm sure Jason Stratum is a very handsome man. And, of course, Brad Pitt. Have you heard the phrase, quit like a dog? Yes. No, I think Dockett's just made it up. I didn't make it up. 81% of you said I made it up. What's wrong with you people? Who's your people, man? What do you mean by you people? Yeah, people on our chat. What do you mean by you people? That's racist, man. No, it's not. I judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Yes. <laughs> and I want everybody to have a great afternoon. Hope that you get out there and have a blast. Uh, we will be back at it tomorrow. Dylan and Ryan and Haley and Caitlin and Aaron, Gary, the whole crew. Clay Travis for letting us do it. And he retweeted us, which bumped our Twitter numbers way up. All you guys on the YouTube chat, mwah. I know a lot of you came to get the sad out today. I know a lot of you from my radio show in India, and there's a lot more of you that have joined. I hope you got the sad out. I hope you're feeling better. The sun comes up. Indiana did what Indiana does. Wait till next year. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Wait till next year. Indiana's going to be great, man. Indiana's going to be the bomb, man. We'll see you tomorrow.